Hello, and welcome to Take Me to Eternity. My name is Leah Fiore, and in this podcast, I look at things coming into the church through a biblical lens. This is going to be part two of Wolves in Sheep's Clothing. In the first episode, I looked at false teachers, and in this episode, I will be focusing on false apostles and false prophets. So let's just jump right in. I want to start off with something that I think is important to voice. In scripture, we have requirements for different parts of our governing body in the church. They lay out things like deacons and such. They give requirements for who is equipped and who's not equipped. But apostles and prophets are not listed. So let's jump into definitions. You know how I love my definitions. I want to be on the same page as everybody else. Got Questions says, A false prophet is a person who spreads false teachings or messages while claiming to speak the word of God. In the Bible, false prophets also spoke on behalf of false gods. False prophets functioned in their prophetic role illegitimately or for the purpose of deception. The Bible denounces false prophets for leading people astray. A false prophet is someone who speaks wrongly, saying they heard from the Lord, God told them, God showed them. God's never wrong, and speaking about God should not be taken lightly. Unfortunately, these days, people just are very flouncy with saying God said, or God told me, or God put it on my heart. This sounds like it's defining a lot of people, a lot of prominent people in Christian circles these days. So many use this so often, and about such things that you really have to wonder if they ever really believe it themselves, or wonder why God's responses sound so much like their own voices. God told me where to buy my turkey. God said Trump was going to continue to be president. God said this is a year of breakthroughs, all things that I have heard. Matthew twenty four eleven through 14 says, Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many, because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. False prophets mislead people. They speak lies, and people are led astray by them. Matthew twenty four twenty three through 26 says, Then if anyone says to you, Behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise, and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. So if they say to you, Behold, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. Or behold, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe them. False Christs are false anointed ones. You don't have to say you are Jesus to be a false Christ. You simply have to say you are anointed like him. There are a host of people who say they can do all the things Jesus did. They say they are anointed and that they can do the signs and wonders just like him. So many say they are just like Jesus. They have the same DNA as Jesus. And when they do things, it's just like Jesus doing them. They say we are gods. It really makes you think when they twist scripture so badly that there's some of who are being warned of. These people are the ones that we are told about in scripture. These are mainstream teachers like Chris Vallotton, Todd White, Francis Chan, 
Joel Osteen, and Stephen Furtick, just to name a few. Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22 says, But the prophet who speaks a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. You may say in your heart, How will we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the things does not if the if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. It really makes me think, you know, we have the word. We have the word which is the prophetic made more sure. You know, we know it is the inspired word of God. And yet so many people, they, they just strive for these extra biblical revelations. These, they, they just want to hear the voice of God. And instead of looking in their Bible, where they can know for sure that they are hearing the word of God because it is his written word, they are just listening to their own hearts and their own minds and other people and their weird stuff that they come up with. So if they speak and it doesn't come to pass, it was not from God. If someone's speaking lies and says God said, I'm not going to listen to them at all anymore. If they get it wrong, then they're just making things up. To continue listening to them means that I either think I'm good enough to detect every falsehood slipped in, or I don't care if they speak falsehood. If I profess to love God with my entirety, I'm going to care when people speak wrongly of him, and I am not going to want to eat their food that is um, tainted. You know, what have they tainted it with? I don't want it. If it says that the prophet shall die, doesn't it make you think that there is some real accountability there when you say God said? Don't you think you would know God told you if he is going to put to death as a consequence for getting it wrong? I also don't understand why they think that God's words aren't on par with Scripture. Like, Scripture is infallible, but nowadays, His word is fallible. If He spoke, then it's absolute truth. I have heard it said, if it agrees with Scripture, it's unnecessary. And if it goes against it, you throw it out. He spoke to us through His word for a reason. We don't need extra biblical revelations. Jeremiah fourteen thirteen and 14 says, but, ah, Lord God, I said, look, the prophets are telling them, you will not see the sword, nor will you have famine, but I will give you lasting peace in this place. Then the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying falsehood in my name. I have neither sent them nor commanded them, nor spoken to them. They are prophesying to you a false vision, divination, futility, and the deception of their own minds. How many of these people do we hear nowadays just speaking to you from their own minds? And, you know, they are probably deceived. Many of them probably think that what they're saying is true. All the time I hear people say, God told me, or I had a vision, or God put it on my heart to dot dot dot. We have people who say they speak to angels and make frequent trips to heaven. Heidi Baker says Jesus gave her access to the body part room in heaven, and she can take body parts for people anytime she wants to. God gave her permission. But, of course, she changed it and said she would never sleep if she could just take it whenever she wants, so now she has to ask permission from Jesus.
Brian Simmons, who wrote The Passion Translation, quote unquote, I call it a book because it's just a book, says that an angel named Passion came and told him to write it, that Jesus helped him translate Romans, and that he has access to the Library of Heaven, where one day Jesus will give him the 22nd chapter of John. If you didn't catch that, there are only 21 chapters in John, and he is literally setting it up to add to Scripture. Yet people read this book and preach from it from the pulpit. They endorse him in his writings and say it's the best thing that has happened in their lifetime. People are being led to hell. Where did the fear of the Lord go? If you want to know more about the Passion Translation and the issues that it has, I would say go look at Mike Winger's playlist. He has done an extensive job um, with scholars looking at and critiquing the Passion Translation. Ezekiel 13, 1-11 says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel, who prophesy and say to those who prophesy from their own inspiration, Listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who are following their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israel, your prophets have been like foxes among ruins. You have not gone up into the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. They see falsehood and lying divination, who are saying, The Lord declares when the Lord has not sent them. Yet the hope for the fulfillment of their word, did you not see a false vision and speak a lying divination when you said the Lord declares? But it is not I who have spoken. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken falsehood and seen a lie, therefore, behold, I am against you, declares the Lord God. So my hand will be against the prophets who see false visions and utter lying divinations. They will have no place in the council of my people, nor will they be written down in the register of the house of Israel, nor will they enter the land of Israel that you may know that I am the Lord God. It is definitely because they have misled my people by saying peace when there is no peace. And when anyone builds a wall, behold, they plaster over it with whitewash. So tell those who plaster it over with whitewash that it will fail. A flooding rain will come and you, O hailstones, will fall and a violent wind will break out. Nowadays, you can go pay someone to teach you how to prophesy. You can go to so-called churches and schools and learn how to say whatever comes to mind and say it's from God. They're teaching people to speak God's thoughts after him, to which they say, just say what comes to mind. If I'm hearing God's thoughts after him, I am reading my Bible or remembering what he's already told me through it. Otherwise, that's prophesying from their own inspiration. So many teachers are teaching you to be still and listen for God's voice, that you have to tune into it, change your frequency to hear him. They teach you to listen to your own thoughts and dub them God, to hear your heart and say it's a prophecy. Nowhere in the Bible does it show us any kind of being taught the spiritual gifts. The Bible doesn't teach to be still and listen, to quiet your minds and change our frequency. God's not little that he needs us to do anything if he should speak to us. 
If the teaching isn't in scripture, then it isn't needed. The Bible teaches us everything we need to know for living in this world the way God wants us to. All of these spiritual disciplines that aren't in scripture are man-made doctrines. It always reminds me of Simon the Sorcerer. When I see classes to teach you how to do what God says is a gift from the Spirit. In Acts 8, 9-25, Simon was a magician and the people said he was from God. He saw the apostles and believed because of the signs and miracles they were performing. He was amazed when they were putting their hands on people and the people were receiving the Holy Spirit. He tried to give them money so he could do the same thing. This is Simon talking. It says in Acts 8, 19 through 21, saying, give this authority to me as well, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter for your heart is not right before God. We see it a lot in the world right now. People pay to learn to heal or prophesy or a host of other things. There are schools that say they can teach or activate your gifts, taking activation classes, learning to walk in your anointing, be anointed by them, how to walk in the spirit, how to speak in tongues. The list goes on and on. If it's a gift from the Holy Spirit, it can't be bought. And when people are teaching that these things can be bought, I wonder what Bible they're reading and what power source is behind their so-called gifts. When they're saying impart and laying their hands on you, you have to wonder what they're trying to impart. Because if it isn't from God, it's from Satan. Whether they know what they're doing or not, Jesus said, if you are not with me, you're against me. And he also said that those who love him will follow his commands. That's scripture. When we deviate from the word and we turn to the left or the right, we're getting off of the narrow path and turning towards destruction. I think sometimes people forget that the demons knew who Jesus was and said it. It's not like false preachers, teachers, apostles, prophets, or whatnot can't say Jesus is Lord. They can and they do. They just don't follow him and they don't teach his word um, purely. The Bible talks about false prophets and talks about them in various ways. Jeremiah 23.10 calls them adulterers. Verse 11 calls them polluted and wicked. 13 says they prophesied by Baal or Satan. 14 says they strengthened the hands of evildoers so they wouldn't turn back from their wickedness. Ouch. 16 through 17 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who are prophesying to you. They are leading you into futility. They speak a vision of their own imagination, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, The Lord has said, You will have peace. And as for everyone who walks in the stubbornness of his own heart, they say calamity will not come upon you. These false prophets are leading people astray. They're leading them down the road to destruction, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Speaking a vision of their own imagination. Just watch Sid Roth's It's Supernatural. Don't, don't actually watch it. It's really bad. But if you know about it, you see some of the most vile false prophets, false apostles, false teachers out there. 
they are literally snake oil salesmen. I mean, I don't know if they've actually sold snake oil, but they have Bible oil and um, all kinds of weird um, anointed objects and weirdness. Luke 6.26 says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Now we have a host of new false teachers. C. Peter Wagner taught that the role of apostle has been reestablished. People call themselves apostles and the, not the missionary kind, not sent out, but they line their, themselves up with the apostles of Jesus. They say they have the same power granted to them as the twelve. Most of them claim to at one point or another been to heaven or spoken to Jesus face to face. Acts 1, 21 and 22 says, Therefore, it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Jesus assigned all but Matthias, who was chosen by lot, but had the qualifications of apostle meaning he had followed Jesus in his whole ministry, death, and resurrection. This is the criteria for picking an apostle. As far as I know, none of the people alive today were alive back then and able to say that they fit that description. The last apostle was Paul, who was the last one to see Jesus after his ascension. Jesus commissioned him himself. Apostle isn't just a random title. That office was for that time and for a very special reason. That is who established the writings of scripture. The 1828 app defines apostle as a person deputed to execute some important business, but appropriately a disciple of, Jesus, of Christ commissioned to preach the gospel. Twelve persons were selected by Christ for this pur purpose. And Judas, one of the number, proving an apostate, his place was supplied by Matthias. That's in Acts 1. The title of apostle is applied to Christ himself in Hebrews 3. In the primitive ages of the church, other ministers were called apostles with a little a. Romans 16, as were persons sent to carry alms from one church to another, Philippians 2. This title was also given to persons who first planted the Christian faith. Thus, Dionysus of Corinth is called the Apostle of France, and the Jesuit missionaries are called Apostles. Romans 16 says Andronicus and Junia were noted as outstanding among the Apostles. So if they want to use Apostle as a title, like a minister, you can totally use it that way, but don't act like you're above reproach. You can't put yourself in line with the Twelve Apostles, the way in which they use this title. They have put themselves up as ones who can bring in new revelations. They say that there needs to be an apostle overseeing every church, and in some cases, an apostle oversees many churches. They say that their word comes from God and that people must listen to them, to be under their covering. Nowhere is the structure in which they are using shown or displayed for us as how the church is to function now. False apostles are defined in Got Questions as people who masquerade as Christian leaders, 
get other people to follow them, and then lead them astray. A true apostle is one who is sent by God as an ambassador of Jesus Christ with a divine message. A false apostle is a pretender who does not truly represent Christ and whose message is false. 2 Corinthians 11, 1-7 says, I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself, so that you might be exalted, because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge? It says people's minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. When people say we must do all these things in order to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian, they're adding to scripture. Normal, everyday Christians were not all healing and prophesying. It was not as commonplace as people try to make it. Not everyone heard from God. It says in 1 Corinthians 12 that not all will have all these gifts. Therefore, we know we won't all be healing, or we won't all be speaking in tongues, or all prophesying, or the like. It says there are other Jesuses being preached, and other spirits, a different gospel, and that they are accepting it. I hear different gospels often, people who say that the gospel is healing and casting out demons, and signs and wonders, or wealth and prosperity, but that isn't what they call the gospel in the Bible. They preached Christ crucified, not signs and wonders, and they preached the gospel without charge. Now that speaks volumes, doesn't it? People like Catherine Crick say, I will cast out a demon out of you, but first you need to pay me. 2 Corinthians eleven twelve through 15 says, But what I am doing I will continue to do, so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded, just as we are in the matter, about which they are boasting. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. They're saying that people are trying to put themselves on the same level as them, the apostles of Jesus, even then. It says they're deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Satan and his followers, though, so many don't realize that that's who they are and that's who they're following, disguise themselves as angels of light. They look like servants of good and of God. Satan doesn't just make people worship him. He pushes any worship except for the real true God. Anything that is off enough that it brings you away from him, 
And he can do that with the name of Jesus in it also. It's just a different one. There's many other religions that claim Jesus. Acts 20, 29 says, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And in Revelation 2, 2, it says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. We are to test everybody. We need to. We need to hold up what they say against the word of God. These people try to deceive God's people, and in so many cases they succeed. We need to know scripture. We need to study it, to know what it says and why it says it. It's not about putting ourselves into the text. It's not about knowing what, what it makes me think of or how it makes me feel. What did God say and why did he say it? We need to be willing to stand up for truth and against anything false. We need to be willing to reject and mark and avoid those who are speaking wrongly and to warn others and not be selfish when we're reading scripture. These people lead whole denominations into heresy and apostasy. Unfortunately, we're seeing too much of this right now. When do we care more about offending God than we do offending people in this world? Where is the fear of the Lord? First Timothy 4, 1 through 5 says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate, abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in, by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. They're leading people astray to pay attention to deceitful spirits. The people who claim heavenly visits and angelic encounters regularly, the ones who put huge burdens on the backs of others by means of you have to do this to show that you are saved, or you aren't healed because you don't have enough faith. The ones who claim that Christians are demon-possessed and need to come to them and pay them to be delivered. The ones that teach you that you have to hear God's voice and that you need new revelations. This isn't what the Bible says. These are doctrines of demons, adding on to the very word of God changing and twisting what God said to lure people away from him, to bring people's focus on self and power, not on the one who can save them. He's our deliverer. These people claim to have secret knowledge, but the Bible says he is all that we need, and it tells us all that we need to know to be godly. It's the very word of God. We are told not to listen to anyone who speaks contrary to what scripture says, and that means even if they speak out of both sides of their mouths. To know the truth and sometimes speak lies I think is worse because they're knowingly being deceitful. And just because somebody knows how to say what the gospel is doesn't mean that's what they teach or that that's what they believe. Matthew twelve thirty through 37 says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I say to you, 
Any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whoever speak, speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. When we look at the use of fruit here, it says, How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out that which fills the heart. A good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you, every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for it on the day of judgment. That's a really heavy verse. To think every careless word will be accounted for. We're accountable for what we say. Our words being our fruit tells on us. When we speak wrongly about the Lord, it tells us what's in our heart. And I mean, even Satan, you know, he knew scripture. He spoke scripture, but he twisted it. And in twisting it, it showed the evilness in it. When we take the word of God and we um, apply it to ourselves in a way that is twisting it and making something that it's not, we're showing the the narcissism in ourselves. We're showing our, our own self-love in that. And we are also showing that we lack a, a certain amount of fear of the Lord in doing that. When we twist scripture, add to the words, speak wrongly about God and pander for gain in the name of God, that shows our fruit. False apostles deny some or all truths about the identity of Christ. They are motivated by greed, lust, or power. They distort or deny the Bible as God's infallible, inspired word. They refuse to make themselves subject to spiritual authorities and consider themselves the final authority. So many of these people are the, I bind them and rebuke them and, um, you know, they, I don't know how many times a day they bind demons or Satan, but... You know, they're, they're not subjecting themselves to uh, spirits that are, you know, stronger than they are. They have big titles and like to be seen and heard. We need to make sure that we keep God's word as our highest authority because it's written by the inspiration of God himself. It's more sure than prophecy. It's all that we need to know how to live a godly and God-honoring life. In conclusion... The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 2-4, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth. And will turn aside to myths. People fall prey to false teachers that tell them what they want to hear. Live your best life now. 
God wants you to be rich. Just claim your healing. We're deceived by our own fleshly lusts, by, by places that we would rather have control over ourselves than give up and submit control over to the only one who can actually do anything about it. Matthew twelve thirty eight through 40 says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, and yet no sign will be given to it, but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. People need to stop putting in so much effort to get an experience. We aren't told we're going to have heavenly visitations and visions of glory. People need to stop striving for a sign and a miracle and spend that time submitting to the Lord and studying his word, praying and just pondering his goodness and his greatness and what he has to say and why he says it. We need to hold scripture as the highest authority. Stop listening to those who tell us all the things you have to do that the Bible never speaks of. We need to know what we believe and why so that we can accurately judge what's being said and so that we can tell people the hope that we have and why we have it. It's Christianity is not brainless. This isn't a leave your brain at the door kind of thing. You know, we need to use our brain Um, God gives us wisdom if we ask for it, and if we're searching for him and his kingdom, he helps us to understand all the things that we need to know. We need to snatch others out of the fire and not be scared of the blowback that comes when speaking truth to those who don't want to hear it. Truth is uncomfortable when we live in a lie. Light is uncomfortable when we're sitting in darkness. We need to move stumbling blocks and warn people about the dangers that we know about. We need to destroy speculations and every lofty thing raised against the knowledge of God. 2 Peter 2, 1-21, it's long, but I'm going to read it anyways. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness, reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly. And if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard, That righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. 
and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. Daring, self-willed, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties, whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in the destruction of those creatures also be destroyed. Suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong, they count it a pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions as they carouse with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way. They have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he received a rebuke for his own transgression. For a mute donkey, speaking with the voice of a man, restrained the madness of the prophet. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. Sounds a lot like the passage of Jude that I tend to read, doesn't it? There's a reason for that. God's warning us and we ought to listen. I know there's a lot in this and I just want to say that this is all done in love. Love for God above all. Love for his word. Love for others. We should pray for these people, that they will truly repent, that they will find the truth and truly be free. I pray that they stop deceiving others. I believe that some of them are deceived as well as being deceived, as the Bible says. This isn't done to bash anyone. This is done to hopefully help equip you to see falsehood faster. Hopefully you are doing your own research and you are looking into things prayerfully so that you can be better equipped to understand how to talk to people and what to believe and not be um, blown about by the different winds that are out there. I'm doing this to encourage and embolden you, to help you see the reason for calling out these false teachers and not accepting almost truths. I believe there are some who know that they're, what they're doing and they don't care. They're teaching for money what they ought not to teach. Be careful who you listen to. Test everyone. Test it by what the word says in context. If you hear someone use a verse over and over, look it up and read the whole chapter. If they're saying things that you can't find in scripture and um, a lot of what they're saying you can't find in scripture, there's a problem. You need to start looking into that. Read the things that surround it and other parts of the Bible that talk about that subject. 
The whole Bible informs us, and sometimes something in the Old Testament helps you to understand something in the New Testament, and vice versa. If it isn't clear, study it. Don't be easily deceived. Find a commentary. Um, talk to people about it. If it's true, it'll hold up to questioning. It's too easy to hear something and believe it because it takes effort to do your own research, or it sounds almost right. If I'm wrong, please talk to me. I am not perfect, and I only want to speak what is true. I also welcome discussion, even when it means talking about differing opinions. So until next time, I am out.